Welcome to the Glory Mountain Church Podcast. For more information on our church and ways to support what God is doing here, visit glorymountain.com. Let's say God is good. Good. Say it. Come on. Say it. Yeah, amen. Hey, this morning we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put a title on this this morning, Come Holy Spirit, or we're going to call it Firepower. Someone say Firepower. Zach, I love what you said, how God took you back, because that was a prophetic statement for this message this morning. It's important that we realize where we have come from and what God has done for us. There's not a day that passes that God doesn't look at you and say, I want to pour my spirit out upon you today. There's not a day that passes that God looks at you and says, I've got good things. I'm going to display my favor upon you and through you in every way. And I'm so grateful this morning that we can have that kind of heart and that kind of attitude. You know, I was thinking this morning as I share and as you listen, what, what's the goal of this morning? What's the purpose? What's the plan? Why do we stand up every week and share in a teaching? Why do we share in a message? Why do we share in some anointed word? We do it that you may be lifted up, that your spirit may be engulfed in his presence, that you would be ignited with the word of God that would bring you empowerment to move forward in the next days of your life and make a difference. I ran across Psalms 145, verse number six, and I just want to start with this this morning. Listen to this. Your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. This is from the Passion Translation. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the plan? Your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. If we're going to carry on any kind of conversation with people, it's that we carry on a conversation that talks about what God is doing, how he's working in my life, and how we can be effective in the world today. I want to begin this time together this morning from Luke chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there because we're not going to have it on the screen for you this morning but I want you to turn there with me. Acts chapter four. I'm sorry, Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, and I want to start with verse 16. I want to read down through verse number 21. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Jesus came to Nazareth. It was where he was raised. And he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. When Jesus came to the front to read scriptures, they handed him a scroll. And it was of the prophet Isaiah. He enrolled the scroll and read where it is written. Now, this same thing was also prophesied In Isaiah chapter 60, 61. And now the fulfillment of this was coming to pass. Jesus, he took the 
transcripts, and this is what he read. Now remember, this is after he had just come from 40 days of being in the desert. This is super significant. Before I read and continue, I want to tell this to you. You know, have you ever wondered why Jesus' ministry wasn't exposed until 30 years old? I mean, he did grow up as a little boy. Yeah, he worked with his dad as a carpenter, right? They found him in the temple at 12 years old, sharing with the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were astounded by what he was saying. Yes, but you really didn't hear of any miracles. You didn't really hear of any significant things he did until he was 30 years old. I saw a great cartoon a few weeks ago. My son-in-law sent it to me. It was Jesus and he was in the bathtub and he was standing on the water as a little child. And his mom, Mary, was saying, son, get down into the water. I need to cleanse you. I think it was things like that that Jesus could have done and probably did that was never exposed. He probably did miracle after miracle as a little boy, as a teenager, into his 20s. You know, maybe he did them secretly. Maybe he did them openly. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but he does expose at 30 years old the beginning of his ministry. But listen to this. His ministry was exposed after he went into the desert for 40 days and fasted and prayed. I think this has great significance because it was in the desert that he was impacted by the power and touch of his father. It was in the desert. He had that quiet time where he had probably intimacy with his dad and he had conversation with his dad and his dad was sharing with him, listen, son, this is what's going to be happening. This is what's going to be, you know, coming ahead in your life. I think it was an important time for Jesus because it was after that desert experience. It was after the impact of his father touching him in those desert times with him that he came back and he went to the synagogue and he was handed the scrolls. And this is what he said to the people. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor. Freedom for the brokenhearted. And new eyes for the blind. And to preach to prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee. For the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Those are some amazing words because it laid a foundation. It laid a precedent for what Jesus was going to do as he walked this earth for three years. 
I don't know what the scribes and Pharisees thought. But surely they had to say something like, wow, there is something on this man, Jesus. They probably said something like, this man had some kind of experience to where he could confidently stand in front of people and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm asking you this morning, what kind of experience have you had? What kind of firepower, fire glory, Holy Spirit impartation, revelation have you had where you can stand confidently and say before people, look, the Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me. I want you to know this morning, you are anointed. You are powerful. God has amazing things for you. He could have started his ministry at any age, but after 30, it was after the desert experience. It was after what I believe was some supernatural experiences that Jesus had that he could come and say, look, I'm ready to let the world know what my father has done for me. I want you to say with me, I am anointed. I want you to say, I am powerful. I want you to say, I am significant. Say, I am useful. I am a part of God's kingdom. And I'm going to be used on this earth. It was after an experience that other people had that they became very, very influential in their lives. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Listen, when something's upon you, you then have the authority and you have the power to then transform other people's lives with the same kind of message. When you've been touched by God in a certain way, you have the privilege and you have the honor and you have the authority to pass that on to other people. Jesus did that as he was upon this earth. We find Jesus now had gone through his entire ministry and now he was about to leave. And he spoke to a whole bunch of people. And I want you to see it with me. I want you to turn to the book of Acts. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And I want you to turn to chapter one. You know, back in the day, you could hear a lot of pages turning. Now you can't hear the iPhones churning, can you? Chapter one. And Jesus is speaking to the lovers of God. He's speaking to a group of people. And he says in Acts chapter 1, 
around verse number three, he says, during these encounters and the truths of God's kingdom in his realm, and after all the meals I've shared with you, Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about. The gift that the Father has promised, verse number five of chapter one of Acts. For John baptized you in water. But in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every time they gathered together, Jesus was there and they would ask Jesus, Lord, is it time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He answered, The Father is one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But then Jesus gave them a promise. And I want you to hear this promise. It's found in verse number eight. And here's what he prophesied to the people. But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come up on you and you will be, listen to this, seized with power. Everybody say seized with power. Man, this is a terrific word. The word seize means to take a hold of suddenly and forcibly. It means that there's going to be something that's going to grip you. And he said to them, and you will be, you're going to be seized with power and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem. You're going to be my messengers throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places of the earth. This is what's going to happen to you. You watch, you wait, and you see. There's going to be a significant touch of God upon your life. This is my promise to you. And so Jesus made that pronouncement to the people, and then it was 50 days after. 50 days is called Jubilee to the people. And I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. It was on Pentecost. Before I talk to you about this, I I just want to say to you, the Holy Spirit wants to seize you. He wants to get a hold of you suddenly every single day. You know, I remember when the Holy Spirit seized me. The first time was when I was 12 years old. I think I got saved at seven. I literally grew up in church. Last week, I gave you a story of what I saw as I was growing up in church. But at seven years old, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior that I can remember. I probably did it earlier than that, but I was seven that I remember raising my hand and accepting Jesus. And then at 12 years old, I was up in Big Bear area at a youth camp. And I remember the speaker of this children's camp 
made a call out for those that wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, I was like the first one to raise my hand. And my friends, they all raised their hands and we all went down. There must have been maybe 25, 30 of us and I was one of those. And I remember the evangelist just saying, now, listen, all you need to do is open your mouth and God will fill it. And I remember where God spoke, that preacher said, now, receive the Holy Spirit. And I lifted up my hands and all of a sudden, this language came out of my mouth. It was an amazing experience. And from that day on, that language is still coming out of my mouth. That was the first time I was seized. But there was a second time, but before I tell you the second time, I want you to look at Acts chapter 2. So it's on the day of Pentecost. All the disciples were gathered in one place. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from the heavenly realm. Can you get a picture of this? This is so fantastic. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. We've all heard about this great experience, the fulfillment, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. It was a powerful time for the people. I have a commentary on this that I read, and I want to read it to you. And it's a commentary in verse number three. Listen to this commentary. This was the pillar of fire that led Israel from bondage into the promised land. The same pillar of fire manifested here on the day of Pentecost to initiate a new beginning from the structures of a religious system. into the powerful life of the Spirit. Each believer received an overpowering flame of fire. Signified by the shaft of light that engulfed them. It was as though each one received his own personal pillar of fire that would empower him and lead him throughout his life. This was the promise Jesus gave to the disciples like one to me who would be sent by the Father and never leave them. Today, every believer is indwelt by the Spirit of Christ. This was the birthday of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of them had this pillar of fire. They call it flames of fire. This morning, we have a minister here from New York who has a ministry called Flames of Fire. So good to have you here, Josephine, this morning. Thanks for being here, and her husband, Dave. We've known Josephine for many, many years. 
We've been in revival together for many, many years where we've been touched with the flame of fire that took over our lives. Can I tell you when that happened for me? It was such a great impartation. We remember when it happened in Deborah and I, there was a huge revival that broke out in Pensacola, Florida. It happened in 1995. It was a large church. It was an Assembly of God church. And a minister by the name of Stephen Hill, he was an evangelist, he was preaching. And all of a sudden, on Father's Day, 1995, the power of God came down in that church that literally sat 2,000 people. God came down, the service never ended, it continued on through the night. They said, let's have another service tomorrow night. Now Monday night, now there's lines of people waiting to get into the church the next day. The church was packed, the invitation was given, and all of a sudden, hundreds came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior the day after the outpouring on Father's Day, 1995. This revival continued for seven years, every single day of the week. They say that the Pensacola outpouring literally brought hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. Over 2 million people during the course of that time came through that Assembly of God church. Every night, Lyndall Cooley would lead worship. The power of God would come down for one hour in worship. Stephen Hill would get up and give a message, powerful evangelistic message. A little young lady who was 18 years old at the time, her name was Charity, she would stand up and she would begin singing a song at the altar call called Runnin'. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat. People would literally stand to their feet and run to the altar and fall on their knees, raise their hands and say, Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I know that for a fact because a year after that outpouring started in 1995 on Father's Day, Deborah and I visited that church. We stood in line 12 hours to get into that church. Twelve hours. They had an African-American man. He'd stand at the doorsteps of this church with a megaphone. There were so many people in that church. Here's what he was. People would want to run into that church, and he would stand in line with a megaphone and say, single file line, single file line, please, everybody, single file line. I'll never forget the sound of that. People would get into that church an hour early. They'd open the doors. They'd sit there. You could literally feel the wind, the glory, the power of the Holy Spirit. I feel it even now as I'm telling you this story. The power of God would come down before the church service even started every single night this would happen. It was the most powerful revival of our day. It was equal to the day of Pentecost at Azusa Street back in 1907. And the Jesus movement that took place in the early 1960s and 70s. It was powerful. Deborah and I went there and oh my goodness, Dave and Joe went there, I think, and a bunch of other people. And I remember the first time we came there and we sat there and we could feel the power and the glory and Lyndall Cooley would get up and they'd start leading worship and the power of God would come down and people would get touched and slain in the spirit and the glory would come down and Stephen Hill would give his altar call and hundreds of people would get saved. And then they said, and now for the rest of you that are here, if you want 
more power. If you want the fire of God upon your life, just stand your feet and we will pray for all 2,000 of you every night for seven years. Three of their staff would go down and all they would do is just lay their hands and say, fire. Remember? Fire. 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 People would go down in the spirit. They'd be overtaken by the touch of God. So I remember Deborah and I, we were standing there. We're just like waiting for our turn. You know, like you would like in a line at Disneyland, right? We want more encounters from God, of course. And we were like maybe 20 feet away from the evangelist. He was maybe where, you know, Van is right now. And he was just scanning the audience, laying hands, fire, fire, fire. And all of a sudden, he just looked at Deborah and me. And he stopped everything. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> Something's up. And he said, you too. Just lift up your hands right now. That's how you talk. Lift up your hands now. Lift up our hands. And I remember, here's all he did. I looked at him. And here's what he did. He looked at Deborah and me, and he goes, fire! <laughs> you know what happened? We were shot back 20 feet by the touch of God, landed on our backs on the floor for one hour, shaking, trembling, being infused with the power and the glory and the fire of God. That experience took us back to a church that we pastored right here in Carlsbad that we pastored for 13 years. We went back. We were infused by the power of God. I stood up there on a Sunday morning in Carlsbad and I said, we just got back from Pensacola and God's power is here and if you want it, God wants to give it to you. And for two years, every Sunday morning, our two services were jam-packed. You were there, Joe and Dave. And then we would come back on a Sunday night at six o'clock. We'd start our service, and our services went to midnight for six hours for two years. People from all over this county came and got touched, infused, filled with the power of God. They're still ministering. Joe and Dave were one of them. There's many others that were touched by the glory of God. David Lavanuda, who's teaching our kids, his whole family came and got touched by the power of God. Pastors would come at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning to hear the message, and they'd go and preach in churches at their 1045 service. 12 o'clock, we'd go home, We'd stop by McDonald's and get their 39-cent hamburgers because our kids were so hungry. I said, get as many as you want. We would take our kids one by one, all four of them, and put them in bed every Sunday night, and we'd wake up Monday morning exhausted. I remember the day he took off his watch, dropped it on the floor, and said, okay, God, and God moved in. I'll never forget that day. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> God infused us. That was where God infused us. It's where he seized us. 
It was a moment of impartation. It was a moment of a supernatural encounter. It was my 30-year-old experience that has carried us over and over and over again up to 40 years of ministry. And we've never been sorry. This is what happens when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I say, come Holy Spirit once again. Here's some signs of the fire being poured out upon your life. You speak in tongues, it happens. Number two, you become overcome, overwhelmed, intoxicated, infused with God. Number three, you become drunk, but not as you suppose. It says in Acts chapter two, verses 12 through 16, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? Others were mocking the people that got filled with the Holy Spirit. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all of you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these people are not drunken as you suppose, seeing as it be the third hour of the day, but it is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. They have been intoxicated with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now those were the, these are some, you know, surface things that happened. They were receiving boldness to be witnesses. They preached the gospel. 3,000 people were saved at their first service after that outpouring. And then 5,000, and then multitudes Those are some of what I would call the signs of the fire being poured out. But what about the permanent evidence? What's the permanent evidence of this kind of seizing? I have a list of 20, but I'm just going to give you a few this morning right now. Here's what happens when there is this infusion that takes place. Here's what happens when there's this moving that takes place upon your life. This is what happened to Jesus for the three years of ministry. He had this supernatural encounter and it changed lives of everyone he came in contact with. Yeah, set a fire in my bones, something I can't control. This permanent evidence that is long-lasting first, you get this compassion for the lost that doesn't come from any other experience. Next, you get a deeper passion to win the lost. Next, you get power to be a witness. There's something that takes place in your words and in your actions that comes upon you, and there's this power experience There's a movement of prayer that takes place in you personally. You want to get on your knees and cry out to God and say, God, move upon my family. Move upon my, you know, marketplace. Move upon. There comes this understanding of God's word that comes into your life with this power and supernatural experience. Signs and wonders began to be demonstrated in your life. Signs and wonders like 
we experienced one day when we were walking with a group of seven teenagers and young adults along the beach of Carlsbad. And we were walking along and we were talking about the provision and the goodness of God. And I asked the question to them. I said to them, do you as young people believe in the supernatural provision of God? Do you believe that he could provide any time you need him to? The moment I asked that question, I looked down and I saw a slip of paper at my feet. I picked that piece of paper up. It was folded. I unfolded it and it was a $100 bill. And I said, how's this for supernatural provision? Supernatural miracles occur in your life day after day. All of a sudden, you begin experiencing the obedience to the call of God in your life because of this supernatural experience. All of a sudden, you begin feeling this yielding to the indwelling presence of God. Yes, Lord, I'll do, I'll go, I'll be. Yes, yes, Jesus, I'll do it. Whatever you say, I'll do. All of a sudden, your heart, your spirit becomes moved by the unseen one. And there's this compelling that's drawing you to get closer to God and compelling you to preach the gospel and compelling you to be faithful. There's this complete surrender of yourselves and complete giving over to God because of this experience. There's this sense of Holiness that comes upon you. There's this sense of recall that comes back to you like it did with you, Zach. I remember it brought back a moment, you said. It takes you to your very roots of Christianity. It takes you to the very place where there was a touch of God upon your life. It renews you day after day after day. It wants you to become a servant of God day after day after day. And it wants you to become holy. It wants you to become presentable in your conduct and in all manner of living. It's this driving force in you that takes you day after day after day into his presence where you don't want anything else. This is what happened to Jesus at the very outset of his ministry. And this is what should happen to us at the very outset of our serving God. Well, I've been a Christian for years and I haven't experienced the seizing moment. (laughs) Well then, this is your opportunity. There's a book, the author's name slips me right now, but it was called The Normal Christian Life. It's like, do we want to just be normal Or do we want to be extraordinary? That's the call of the day. Do we want to sit and be comfortable? 
go to church for an hour and 15 minutes? Or do we really want to make a difference after church? The take home today is remember when you got seized or make sure you get seized. It can be done privately (coughs) or it can be done publicly. It doesn't matter. Get seized by him. We only have one life to live. And when is your fire experience going to take place? When is the light or the shaft of light going to engulf you? When is the fire? It says in Acts that when they received the Holy Spirit, it was like cloven tongues of fire. That's like such a biblical term. What does cloven mean? It's like there were these moments of fire that literally sat upon the top of the people's heads. The kids are coloring a paper today where there's all these people with their hands lifted up and they're all saying, I want the fire and there's little fires on top of each of their heads. How's the fire on top of your head? Hope it's burning. If it's not, get it on fire. That's the call of the day. Stand with me this morning. Go ahead, ladies, Daniel. Just lift up your hands. And let this, this morning, move you to that experience this morning. Let the fire of Pentecost come upon you once again. If you had it once and it's dwindled out, stoke the fire again. Stoke it. Thank you so much for joining us today and being a vital part of what God is doing in His people. We hope that this message impacted you and that you were blessed. We would love to connect with you about this message and what God is doing in your heart. You can email us at info at glorymountain.com or visit our website, glorymountain.com. You can also give online to support what God is doing at Glory Mountain. Have a blessed week.